Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that? A home win for the Utah Jazz. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. They beat them handily. Uh, They defended well in spurts, the Jazz did. And then in other spurts, they'd get up big and they just let the Blazers back into the game. It's a 22-point lead. It's down to 15. It's down to 10. It's back to 17. The Jazz were just scoring at will. Portland defensively. They just seemed lost. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to do. I listened to Locke's postcast trying to figure out if he knew what they were trying to do. He claims he knows what they were trying to do, but he also says what they were trying to do had no chance of working, which is why I'm not sure that's what they were trying to do, because obviously it wasn't going to work. They were giving up a whole bunch of corner threes, and they were giving up alley-oops at the rim to Rudy. I'll bet we could beat this Jazz team if we just let Gobert dunk and uh, let all their sharpshooters shoot corner threes. That was the plan? Really? Didn't make any sense to me, but a Jazz team that needed a win and needs to get on track and needs to feel good about itself, man, the Blazers were exactly what the doctor ordered. Jazz had stretches where they looked really good and they got to feel better about themselves. And now they got three days off, which is probably more than they want, but they got three days off. They don't play again until Friday. They got the Celtics on Friday. So, a win for the Jazz. And then a bizarro Monday night football game with a blocked extra point return for a two-point conversion. And then Seattle having to go the length of the field. One touchdown the whole game. Kind of Alabama-Auburn-ish. you got to go the length of the field. You need a touchdown in two. And they went the length of the field and got the touchdown with 15 seconds left. But then they didn't get the two-point conversion. So, Seattle loses again. And this is hard to believe, but the only team in the NFC with a worse record than Seattle right now is the winless Detroit Lions. Seattle is 3-8, and eight, and you're thinking, oh, the Giants are worse than that. No, no they're not. They're 4-7. They're and seven. Well, maybe Philly or Washington is worse than that. No, no, they both got five wins. Nope. The worst team in the NFC is Detroit, and then it's Seattle. And for uh, Washington, well, they get a fifth win, and they inch towards the playoffs. A bunch of teams piled up at 5-6, and six, tied for the last playoff berth in the NFC. All right, DJ and PK, there's Monday Night Football, there's the Jazz win, and Utah State uh, blew out overmatched Carroll College by 30 points. We're going to take a break. That's what happened last night. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham, his press conference, he was asked about retirement rumors, about Britton Covey returning, about Oregon being more fired up for this second game than they were for that first matchup. Kyle Whittingham coming up next, and then the best of the Jazz postgame shows. Stay with us. PK at 97.5-1280 The Zone. Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media, talking about the Pac-12 title game, getting asked about the USC hire with Lincoln Riley. Um, Notre Dame hadn't lost its coach. LSU hadn't poached Notre Dame's coach, Brian Kelly, at that point, so he didn't get asked about that. Uh, plus, USC's in the Pac-12, so there's that. Uh, all of that coming up. Here's Kyle Whittingham talking Pac-12 championship game and a few other relevant college football topics. Sure. It was great to send our seniors out. On a, with a win uh, in their last game in Rice Eccles. Uh, it was, uh, you know, they went undefeated at home this year, 6-0. and So that was a, uh, a kind of a punctuation mark on a great home season uh, for our guys. Um, didn't play our absolute best on, on Saturday or Friday, but, uh, you know, we had... Uh, 
decent production, 444 yards of offense and 28 points, which is a little below what we've been doing. But but uh, defense was smothering. That was really the, the key to the game was was the way our defense uh, controlled pretty much everything. Uh, couldn't run on them, couldn't throw on them, couldn't score on them. Uh, two field goals is all they gave up. So a lot of positives there. And uh, good good way to end the regular season, even though the game had really no bearing on on what lies ahead. Uh, it's uh, you know you want to compete and play well every single week. So so we got the win. Now we move on to the uh, championship game. Uh, kind of a little different playing the same team twice in 13 day period, but uh, you know that's how it goes. No problem. I mean it's just the way things laid out, and so we got to get uh, get ourselves ready again for a, a very good Oregon Duck team, and uh, we've got to uh, you know have excellent preparation, which is the key always every week to to having a chance to win, and uh, we'll be on the field today. For a Tuesday type practice, we're a day ahead with uh, with the Friday contest, and so uh, we'll get on the field and get uh, get back at it today. So, questions? Uh, when, when you are in that situation facing the same opponent twice in the 13 day period, how how much adjustment goes into the game plan, if, if any? I mean, what, what do you learn in the <clears throat> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, no major overhauls, I would say, is probably the, the overall uh, bottom line. But you do tweak some things and make some uh, subtle adjustments here and there, and and uh, you know not a lot has changed with either team in eight days. And so that's you know that's when we played over nine days ago, whenever it was. But uh, you know we just uh, really it's the, the execution, uh, the energy, uh, that type of stuff is more critical than than uh, any minor schematic adjustments that you make. Kyle, it's a different year and different team and personnel. But is there anything that you can draw from 2018 or 2019? Not really. We only have a handful of guys that were in those games. Uh, and so uh, nothing other than we certainly need to play better than we did in those two years. And, and uh, you know, in 19 or 18, rather, we played really good defense. You know, we didn't give up a touchdown. It was a pick six and a field goal that uh, – that did us. I think it was 10-3 was, was the score in that game, and then and then we didn't play particularly well on uh, either side of the ball uh, in 19, and, and uh, got beat uh, pretty soundly. In 2018, you did play the same opponent in Washington. Obviously, mm -hmm. what I mean, are you able to kind of use some of that as kind of a blueprint of, of kind of how to prepare for a team twice in the same I don't think so. I don't think so. Every year, it's uh, you know different, different makeup, different team, uh, different dynamic, and so I would say that uh, there really is no carryover from that. But uh, you know, we've just got to. You know, one thing's for certain is you know we made a bunch of plays in that game against Warren a couple weeks ago that don't mean squat right now. Nobody, you know, they don't care and, and uh, they're not going to have any impact on this game. So we got to go out and, and uh, make plays. And that's what it always comes down to is making plays. And, and uh, not one play we made in the last two weeks will count in this game. So we got to go out and make some new ones. Kyle, after last season when you know Devin and Nick and Brandt <coughs> make their decisions on whether or not to come back, did you get a sense from them that part of that decision-making process was to get back to this point to right now to get oh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was a, that factored in and, and uh, with pretty pretty much all those juniors that decided to come back and uh, or some of them were sophomores uh, because of the COVID year. But but uh, yeah, that was a uh, a 
a uh, one of the elements that uh, helped make their decision, and and I'd say it was fairly significant, you know, for most of them. In the game a few weeks ago, you jumped out to that big early lead. You kind of took them out of their game plan. They like to run the ball and uh-huh. grind it out. Uh, how important is it to jump on the Well, if they get their usual rush yards, which they, which they did two days ago against Oregon State, they're tough to beat, and so that was one of the keys for us is to is to uh, you know limit the run game. But it's always good to start fast. Although if you don't, you can't you can't let it uh, be a major factor. You just got to fight through the adversity and keep playing. But uh, that's always a, a positive if you can get uh, get an early lead and and uh, play with uh, you know playing with the leads a lot easier than playing from behind. Coach, Cubby previously talked about being prepared for a pissed off Oregon team. How do you prepare your team for an Oregon squad that is likely going to have an emotional factor that wasn't present in the last well, we just got to take care of ourselves. We can't control their mentality, what they're going to come in with. But if we have that same mentality that we had uh, the first time around and that, that same look in their eye and that same determination and that same uh, attitude of not to be denied, and then uh, we got a good chance. And so that's that's our focus is how we approach the game. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be uh, in a pretty good mindset as well. I mean, it's a big game. How's your personnel going into the championship game? Yeah, we don't do that, and uh, I guess other schools must because you, you watch TV and they all they do is cry and whine about who they're missing. Everyone's missing guys. I mean, maybe you're supposed to say all that in the production meeting so you can so you can get sympathy or something. But nobody nobody in the country is is playing at full strength right now, and and uh, we won't be either. But uh, you just you, you play with the guys you got, and and it's next man up mentality. Uh, just to follow up on what said, what did you think of the way uh, that Michael played on Friday? He, you know, for a true freshman, and that you know that is every, in every sense of the word, his first first year in the program, true freshman, he played outstanding. He did, wasn't perfect, made a few errors, but uh, he's physical, he's smart, and uh, it was great to see him play at the level he did because he made some, you know, he, he did some really good things. Well, it's obviously a championship game, but what makes this game so difficult to either prepare for or play? Well, uh, first of all, you're playing the the best of the best. You know, the best team from the north and and uh, the south. What are we? One and ten, or one and nine over the last? However, since we joined the league, I think only SC has won the won this game for the south. Every every other win is for the north. But but uh, you just got to prepare, uh, just like. Uh, you do all season long. There's nothing special we do this week, although the intensity and the emotion and the you know and all that is, is much higher. But uh, as far as the mechanics and, and how we go through our preparation and our, our systematic approach, that doesn't change. Uh, what, did, what, what did you see out of Oregon in, in their game against the Steelers last week that was maybe different from what you guys saw? Well, they, they ran the football effectively. They got a bunch of yards rushing. The quarterback was outstanding. Uh, 23 of 28 or right in that range for 200-plus yards. Yards, no interceptions. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over, and so they were over 500 yards of offense. They they were on uh, hitting on all cylinders offensively in that game, and and uh, really controlled it throughout. I know Oregon State made a push late and closed the gap, but uh, it was really Oregon pretty much from start to finish. Now, there's no question the uh, atmosphere played a, a role in, in a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's a home game, not an away game, a neutral site, expecting that. Well, we hope so. You know, it's a lot closer to... Vegas is a lot closer to Salt Lake than Eugene, Oregon, so we hope we we outnumber them. And I, I know there's, uh, you know, the ticket sales, from what I understand, are going really well. And so, if we could have a, a slight home field advantage, that would be a big positive. 
Let me do to tighten up the kick yeah it was and we had kick uh tighten it up and we had the problems early you know those are obvious and then we got better and better each week and we we're actually really good on saturday except for the one that got out the gate we had him we had three guys miss tackle and uh otherwise he's pinned inside the 20 yard line but uh, you know since we didn't make the tackles you know we and one of the tackles knocked him outside into a big gap you know where there was no coverage and so um we have worked long and hard on it and that kick was covered very well we just didn't make the tackle and so that's that's uh something that uh was unfortunate but we'll, we've we've spent a bunch of time on that all season long and we'll continue to do that this week but uh it showed up again and even though it was played correctly the net result was not good so we've got to continue to work on it yeah, almost a decade. Invaluable. What he's brought to the program is invaluable, um, both on and off the field. Uh, great leader. Uh, has everybody's respect in the building, coaches, players, everybody. Um, his personality is infectious. I mean, his, his positive outlook and his... Uh, just the way he comes to comes in the building every single day is is uplifting, and and uh, the players feed off that. And in practice, nobody works harder. Uh, in games, he's uh, he's electric. He's exciting to watch. So he's he's meant so much to us, and and uh, we're gonna hate to see him go. I guess there's a glimmer of a chance he may come back, but not much. So. I believe he does. I believe he does. Yeah, this is I think his best year, and uh, you know, knock on wood, he's been able to stay healthy all season long, and and uh, really put up some good numbers, particularly in the punt return game. You know, I don't know. We judge punt return by total number of yards amassed, and he's almost doubled the next uh, team in the Pac-12, and I would imagine he's top three in the nation. I haven't looked at that this week, but he's been... He's talked about that. Yeah, he's talked about uh, getting into coaching, and if he decides to go that route, he'll be outstanding, and, and we would take him back as in a second as a graduate assistant and, and uh, get him into that uh, role if that's what he chooses to do. Coach, you talked about the home record this season. Chris Kreese with the new south end zone and, and all of that. Did you see and feel the difference with that? Without a doubt, it, it finished off the stadium. Uh, it was the, you know, the the, the finishing. T well, not the finishing touch, but structurally, with the with the seating, it it uh, it just made it have that big time feel. You know, because before we had those big open ends, and it was, you know, not quite uh, what you want. But but right now, it's awesome. All we need to do now is add a big board on the other end. You know, the, the north end, and, and that'll complete the complete the stadium, which I know is in the works. But uh, we'll see when that happens. Kyle, what's your reaction to uh, Lincoln Riley being a really big name and getting hired? Uh, no reaction, really. I mean, uh, he is a big name, obviously, and done very well in Oklahoma and and uh, great offensive coach. But, you know, we're so absorbed in what we're doing right now that, uh, you know, we'll concern ourselves with that later on. But uh, it, uh, it certainly was a splash hire by USC, no doubt. Uh, were you at all surprised or disappointed that Peter Costelli opted to transfer? Uh, disappointed. You know, Peter's a great kid and uh, had not been in the program very long and and uh, would love to have had him stay and, and show what he could do. But uh, he decided that moving on was in his best interest. And, and I guess there's a lot of people in the country. Uh, our guys told me like a thousand guys hit the portal.
portal today or something like that. I mean, some the portal's just exploding. There's over 7,000 names in there. And so uh, Peter being one of those. But, uh, you know, we, we certainly thank him for his time here. He was a hard worker, uh, completely dedicated to the program, just felt that uh, it was in his best interest to move on. So we, we wish him well. Does that speak to the strength of what your QB room is right now? Could be. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. And, and uh, with uh, what we hope to secure recruiting in this class, I think uh, I think that all factored in. I just say with as much time and energy as you spend recruiting, got so many kids in the portal. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've only had one so far, I think. Is that right, Jordy? One. As an industry, more than right. But as an industry, does it make anybody rethink how much time they spend in that, or preparing <laughs> for the portal eventually? And you have no I think the latter. You still uh, bust your butt and do everything you can in recruiting to to get the players that you've targeted to get into your program, and and uh, you often spend hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours on on uh, particular kids, and and when they get here. Uh, you know, sometimes they have a quick exit and there's nothing you can do about it. And conversely, there's kids that you can spend hardly any time that almost fall into your lap and end up being great players. And so there's no guarantee, you know, time spent on a player translating to, you know, how good he's going to be or any of that stuff. It's all, it's not an exact science, but uh, you're right. You do oftentimes spend uh, just tons of man hours and time and uh, for a short-lived uh, career. So that's just how it goes, I guess. <laughs> What do I feel about the Sewell family that uh, they're able to produce so many elite football players? What do I feel about them? Uh, what, what is it about the Sewell family? That they're genetics. Really good genetics. Yeah, they got, they got uh, outstanding uh, sons, and, and uh, all of them are uh, tremendous players, and, and uh, they're just... Uh, you know, genetically engineered for for great football players, and so they're uh, they're all good. All the schools are very good. Coach, you've been one of the the top offenses this season. What's been, in your opinion, the biggest factor to that success? Well, I don't know if you can say one thing, but I can tell you a few things. Number one, uh, Cam Rising and the emergence of his play and how he's uh, operated the offense. He's in the uh, still, I think he's number 11, just slipped outside the top 10 in, in uh, QBR in the nation, which uh, means he's doing a great job running the offense. The offensive line has really come together, and uh, we had some huge holes on uh, Friday uh, in the Colorado game due to the offensive line uh, just being efficient and playing well. Uh, the tight end group, we have, I think, the best tight end crew in the country as a group. You know, those three guys are just tremendous and have provided so many big catches. I mean, you saw uh, Keithy and Brandt or, uh, and uh, Dalton on those two touchdown passes, and, and uh, they've been doing that all year long. Uh, then Andy, I think Andy's play calling has been outstanding all year long, and uh, we really figured out who we were about game four. That's when we kind of figured out what, uh, you know, what makes us go, and, and we've just kind of taken off from there. What do you think clicked in game four? Is there something specific? I think all those things I just mentioned, you know, Cam, who had just taken over because he didn't get inserted initially until the end of game three. Offensive line started playing much better, started utilizing the tight ends more, uh, and just executed better overall. Tavion Thomas, the emergence of Tavion Thomas, I shouldn't leave him out because he's obviously been a huge factor for us. Why, why did the O-line get so much better? What did they get better at? Well, just cohesiveness. And first of all, we... we uh, 
I don't want to say we waited too late to find the right five guys because there was injuries and it was like a, a revolving door for a while there. But once we settled in with with uh, five or six guys that were the the guys that were going to do the majority of the get the majority of the reps, they just started to feel more and more comfortable as the weeks ticked by. And and uh, Jim continued to develop those guys. Bam, the emergence of Bam Olaseni, who was not real comfortable early in the year, but now he's playing as good as any left tackle in the conference. And so I think uh, three or four factors uh, went into that. No, I don't know who that was. I've heard a few things from uh, people, and I've, you know, I'm having as good a time right now as I ever have, and so I'm, I'm not even uh, contemplating that right now. Is that something that's changed since week four, also? How much fun you're having? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's no fun to 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 uh, not win games and and have. Uh, you know, in my opinion, we were underachieving, and uh, you know that really gets under your skin. But once we started to have things click, and you could see uh, we're trending in the right direction, that uh, really makes it uh, a lot more enjoyable to come to work every day. All right, there's Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show as the Jazz blow out Portland. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz beat the Portland Trail Blazers, and here is the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz whoop up on the Blazers last night, 129-107. to 107. Donovan Mitchell had 30 points on 12-20 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3. Rudy Gobert with 21-16. and 16. Uh, 22 points off the bench for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, just an overall very complete, nice effort from the Jazz. Uh, holding the Blazers to 107 points. And Damian Lillard only had 11 on 4 of 12 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3. So Jazz doing a nice job defensively as well. Let's get you some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. You guys picked it up. On both ends in the second half, the ball started moving more. You started making shots, but defensively, you started getting a lot more stops in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, out of the gate, I thought we were we were defending pretty well. Um and at one point, you know, our, our bigs weren't up enough and our guards weren't locked. Just a few execution situations on the ball and pick and roll. And then also, you know, guys on the back Recording line. Recording in progress. We just we got a better feel for it as, as the game went on. You know, the way they're playing in pick and roll. I thought our guys were really unselfish and got off the ball um, when they needed to. And then obviously – you know, as you as you spread it out and make some shots, all of a sudden lanes to the basket open up. And, you know, in those situations, the ball doesn't have to move. It just has to get laid in. So I'm good with that, too. Okay, so Donovan's game today, it seemed like he was making a lot more of the right reads. Yeah, you know, I, I think the part of this is, you know, we've got a microscope on, like, everything, every decision Donovan makes throughout the course of the game. And... You know, I think he handles it great. Um, and as I've said before, you know, I just want him to make make plays. And sometimes that's going to be very obvious what the play should be, and there's other times um, less so. Um, but I, I think, you know, I thought some of the little things that, that he can do that makes the game easier for him is – you know, just to space and be ready when someone else does get off the ball where, you know, he gets an opportunity to like attack a closeout or take a catch and shoot three. Um, he's done a good job running and transition more when he doesn't have the ball, which also puts him in some of those situations. So um, there's some things that, 
that he's, you know, more conscious of when he doesn't have the ball. And then I think that obviously makes him even more effective when he does have the ball too. And it, you know, it, it can wear you out having the ball every possession, trying to make plays for people. And we've got some other guys that are capable of doing that. And, you know, when he can play off them too, it, it, you know, it makes him even more difficult to guard, but he did a really good job. Lillard had 11 points tonight, but, you know, you talked earlier before the game about not having worries there, but Mike was on him for a lot of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, in combination, Mike and, you know, usually there's somebody else involved in the play um, because it's, you know, it's either pick and roll with Nurkic or a five or, you know, pick and roll with a small and a five. So, you know, us being able to execute, you know, in that situation, particularly with, you know, Mike and Rudy, um, that was one of the, you know, the area I thought Simon's got some, some clean looks there in, in the third quarter. Um, they all did really. I thought that was the one time where we kind of let up a little bit and um, particularly when a team's down, they're going to shoot those shots with, you know, a lot of confidence, but, you know, by and large, you know, Mike, Mike had another one of those games where um, he's going to get a call one of these days. I, I keep saying he's never got a technical foul. So he's like the one guy in the league. If he says something to you, you can believe him. So is Joe's presence in the starting lineup helping with the spacing in the ball? Um, I think Joe's presence in the game is, is what's important. You know, I mean, Joe has – whether it's the 10 minute mark or the three minute mark uh, or the end of the game, um, the way that Joe's been playing has been really good. You know, he's just got a good feel. And particularly when teams are blitzing us with his size, you know, he's able to make an initial pass and then he's got a good feel for, you know, when to get off it and when to attack. And the other thing he's been doing, um, he's been using ball fakes. So it's hard to know where he's going to go. Um, but I would hope that his presence in the starting lineup, you know, I can't start seven, eight. I'd love to start nine guys with our team. Maybe that would be the answer and we'd, you know, beat everybody, but that's not the way it is. So um, that's, you know, for this group, that's the unique thing, you know, is just figuring out um, how to connect and play together regardless um, of whether you're starting, finishing, coming in at the seven-minute mark, the four-minute mark, you know, and we, we've got to have all those different lineups function, and they all function a little differently. Um, you know, so in Joe's case, um, you know, tonight especially because of, you know, who we were playing and the way we played, you know, he was terrific. When you have space on like that, it, it looked like the spacing, particularly tonight, was just really good. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think sometimes the way a team plays you um, helps you space. You know, I think that that's the case with Toronto. They're, they're helping so much in the lane that you have to be and you have to get off the ball early. And if you don't, you turn it over. Um, and this was one of those games where guys are spread out higher so that there's an angle um, on the pass. And, you know, that's something that we've got to, there's a difference between, you know, that, that, that's, that matters. And that attention to detail for our group is really important. And I, I think where it shows up is, you know, we'll take Joe, for example, how many times he just caught it and shot it. You know, Rudy Gay had the same thing. You know, those guys, Boyan, um, if they're doing that, it usually means they've thought enough 
to space properly. They've got a little more room to take the shot. And because they've thought to space, they're, they're ready to make a play. And Rudy Gay to me was a great example. You know, I thought his threes were, were great looks. And then he also had two times where he caught it and made a quick decision and ripped it and, you know, got fouled once and then got to the rim once. So um, that's what we want to see. There you go. That's Jazz Coach Quinn Snyder. His team wins 129-107. Let's move on to the players. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. I'm just trying to make his life a little harder. Uh, you know, try to force him into uh, uh, drives, you know, and, and driving to me pretty much. And uh, make sure we don't give up, you know, easy threes. And uh, we we also try to keep him off the free throw line. And uh, Mike did an amazing job. Uh, we did a great job as a team overall. There are games where, like the Pelicans, where you get three shots, four shots, and then there are games like this where they're blitzing and you're open them eight. How do you deal with that and kind of like, you know, kind of dealing with just the ups and the downs of the number of shots they're going to get for season based on how they're going to play? Um, I mean, I, I think as long as we play the right way, you know, uh, I don't really care how many shots I get. You know, if we if we if we attack where where it hurts and we make the right read, you know, we're gonna get a, either me under the rim or, or, or wide open trees. Um, you know, so it's 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 all about the way we play, and uh, and of course, you know, it's it's uh, like it's, like three shots is not a lot. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again, but some games it might happen. As long as we move the ball and we share the ball, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter who gets the shots. You guys are, you know, pretty much containing Dame, CJ, and you're doing a good job. But you guys got a guy like Anthony Simons who starts to kind of gain confidence. What what kind of needs to change to make sure that he doesn't keep? I think it's the next level for us is to. not you know we we when we know the guy is already I mean he's a renowned player DMCJ you know, number two uh, great scores on the team so we our focus was great but we have to uh, respect the other guys too and Simon's is a really good player he can score he can get going and uh, he did tonight and he almost brought them back in this game so I think we just be able to be consistent and no matter who is in front of us uh, you know uh, be able to get physical and and, and you know, try to uh, make their life hard, and if we're able to do that, uh, probably win by thirty tonight. You know, so it's I think it's a mental thing, and uh, we still got a lot of room to grow uh, defensively. What did you break tonight? It was great. You know, uh, I, I thought it was really good defensively. Uh, you know, um, and offensively, he, just being Joe. You know, making the right play, uh, knocking down shots. Uh, one left hand layup. Uh, just being Joe, you know, and he, he's when he plays that way and he, he takes his shots, you know, it's a, it's huge for us. When was talking about how you can tell like things are going well when there's instantaneous decision making, the guys are making quick decisions. You know, Joe's doing catch and shoot threes, uh, Ojo doing catch and shoot threes or driving right to um, are you I seeing more crisis? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> are you seeing more of that lately? Um, yeah, you know, and that's you know, when we lost against the Pelicans, that's the one thing that was sticking out. You know, is that we we have so much weapons on this team that we can uh, let any defensive scheme take away our ball movement and 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 us reading and making the right decisions. And you know, we tonight we saw Bigs being up on the blitz. Uh, you know, 
the next tomorrow might be somebody switching or they might have the big back like, like New Orleans. No matter what it is, we, we know how to counter that. We just have to keep trusting one another and and uh, keep moving the ball and good things happen. When it comes to lobs, what are your favorite ones to catch? Like, do you like when they're tough that you have to go up and get one hand? I like a little challenge sometimes, yeah. You know, when, when they throw it, I have to reach back. Um, I'm just happy to, to get a lot, you know, no matter where it is, I'm just trying to get it. And and most of the times, uh, I get it. Who throws the worst lot? Um, Rudy Gayet. Ocho, Ocho. <laughs> He's working on it. We're working on it. There's Rudy Gobert. Wow, Rudy was great defensively, of course, as usual, but offensively, 21 points as well, 16 rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block for Rudy. Let's now hear for Joe Ingles. Do you feel like you play better in the starting lineup as opposed to coming off the bench? Is there a difference? I do not care. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't Like, you guys could probably dive into some stats and tell me something more than I know. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't even really have that much of an answer for you, to be honest. Um, obviously, I started for a long time, oh, a, a few years here. Um, the first year that I ended up coming off the bench was three seasons ago, I think it was, and then ended up starting anyway because of whoever was injured that year. Mike might have been out a bunch, whoever it was. Um, So I was used to starting more. Um, Obviously, I don't care whether I start or not. Um, When I was first coming off the bench, trying to find that adjustment of like where I can be aggressive, who I'm playing with, obviously minutes are different, all of that. Um, Do I enjoy starting? Like, yeah, it's fun. It doesn't – but do I also enjoy coming off the bench with JC and jacking a bunch of threes and playing with him as well? Like, it's so – two different styles. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know. I don't really have an answer. Um, I don't know what the statistical correct answer is. Um, But I enjoy my role um, every night almost of doing kind of something different. Uh, I think – Obviously, I know if one of the four guards is out, I'm going to start. Um, right, well, usually. Um, if coach changed that, that's fine too. Um, but if I come off the bench, I obviously just got to figure out a way to, to be aggressive and stay engaged. And um, like I said, that first time doing it was tough. Um, just trying to figure it out, not tough because I didn't want to do it. Um, I'm probably talking way too much about it because I don't have an answer. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make something up as I go. But... The real honest is I don't care. Um, obviously, I've just got to figure out how to be as aggressive and effective and um, all of that, whether I am starting or coming off the bench. You mentioned it's a different challenge for you night after night, right? Like yeah. against the Pelicans, you're kind of battling on switches against JV. Tonight, you're guarding Dame for a long bit, right? Like, so how do you keep up with that mentally? And then kind of like, I guess, let me ask you, which is more tiring? Yeah, both in different – that one possession with Dame, you, I sued me like eight times in a possession and it's obviously different trying to stay in front of someone like that of, of a, that high caliber player compared to trying to wrestle with a Lithuanian, I don't know what you guys enter, enter word at own fear of, of him. Um, he's got like 30 points right now. Um, but yeah, obviously 
kind of just the, the same thing, just trying to figure out if it is that, then I've got to figure out how to get him off the, the boards. And if it's Dane, then obviously figuring out the best way to stay in front of him, contest his shots and, and make it tough. So um, both just as tiring, not as tiring as three kids are. I'll give you that. It's easy to say you're playing well when you're making shots, but what, what, what do you feel like you're doing when you're playing your best? Um creating for my teammates, getting them involved. Um, I think regardless of what I shoot or defend or whatever, I think my best attribute or whatever is to, to get my teammates involved. Obviously I know I can, I've always been, I don't like, I don't know why you would blitz me because I'm a pass first guy anyway. Like I couldn't think of anything better than to pass the ball, <laughs> um, especially to Rudy to keep him happy. So um, yeah, it, I think for me, it's, yeah, uh, the enjoyment for me, obviously, is, is playing the game in front of 20,000 people, but then getting JC the ball where he wants it, helping Don out so it's not so tough on him or, or Mike or getting rooted the ball so he's not pointing up every possession to get an alley Um And I think that's where I can be really good. Um, and then obviously shooting the ball, defending, um, doing those things. But, but I think obviously for me, the, the most enjoyment and the, the best thing I can do is is those little things to, to help those other guys. Is there a mental element as a player where you... You got to crack your head when you stand up too, so much Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would not be surprised. <laughs> when, you're, when you've got like a scouting report and it's got guys like Dan and CJ on it, obviously put a lot of attention focus on there. Yeah. Is there a mental element to kind of relaxing on a guy like Anthony Simons? Um... Not necessarily with, I mean, obviously we knew him coming off the bench is almost like not JC because JC is on a, in a different world and in my personal opinion. Um, but obviously he comes off the bench for them, is aggressive, can score like he did. Um, usually they, obviously they start together, those two, and then one of them goes out and Simons comes in and then those two are playing together. So you've always got two really good guards out there. Um, obviously for us was trying to control those two um, first and foremost, Dame kind of first and foremost and CJ, like the smallest little, yeah, one, a one, a B one, a one B. Um, and then you've just got to obviously like know what Tony Snell obviously starts tonight. He, I don't know if he started many games, but shoots at a high level. So it's just like knowing who, who you can close out to who not. Um, and I think we, we did a pretty good job tonight of, of making it tough for CJ and Dame. And then, making Nurk battle down there a little bit with, with Rudy and trying to help him and then kind of letting those other guys make plays. Obviously, some of them made some shots and stuff. Um, they made that little run, but I think overall we were we were pretty good with the, the plan, the game plan. When it comes to them blitzing that pick and roll, what's kind of the process of finding Rudy in the paint? Um, I mean, for me, I think it's like the easiest coverage to, to be out. If, if obviously we've got an unselfish team, which helps as well. Um Sometimes you can find him yourself. I think I got him on the first one. Um, the hedge wasn't super aggressive, um, which I don't know if that was the plan or not, obviously. But usually just being able to get off it to the, one of those first passes, the closest two guys to you, and, and then it's really up to them to hit Rudy, skip it, or swing to the guy right next to him. And, and that's just reading, obviously, that third, the last line of defense, whether – 
I think it was like Dame a lot of the time as well. Like you, you put those guys down there and have to make them make a decision on, do you want to give up a dunk to Rudy or a three to Boyan? Um, so I think we did a good job with our, our spacing. Once we worked out those first couple of possessions, what they were doing um, with the hedge and that, um, we, we were we were able to get the, the floor space. I think like I said, they made that one little run in the third, end of the third or start of the fourth, whatever it was. Um, but a pretty good job to obviously kind of overcome again with those two guys to, to, to do what we did defensively with them was 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 impressive. When was talking about the importance of quick decision making in this offense, what are kind of the keys as to whether that happens or not? Um, I think it's for us, the, the players, to be decisive with what we're doing. Like whether when I, if you play that in the hedge and I throw it to Rudy Gay, he's either shooting it, passing it, or driving it. Like it's we've we've had an emphasis on oh, for years now on making like point five decisions. You've probably heard coach talk about it and stuff. And I think this year we've been up and down with that. Um, I think tonight was was probably the best. It's also makes it easier when they're playing the way they're playing because you kick it up and it's really on that guy to just make a decision. And um, again, obviously we've got unselfish guys, so it's not about one guy trying to get points or rebounds or assists or or whatever it is. And and when we play like we did tonight and move the ball, we had had a few of those possessions that we usually see on uh, whatever Instagram page it is talking about jazz basketball and we're moving the ball and and then obviously someone's um, usually making a shot at the end of it. So just making a quick decision, being good with that. Like if you want to shoot it, shoot it. If you want to pass it, pass it. But just making a a confident read on, on what you want to do. That's Joe Ingles. He was in the starting lineup once again. Joe finished 14.6 assists, a couple of boards uh, as well, filling in for uh, in the starting lineup for Royce O'Neal. All right, let's uh, wrap up the player sound with Donovan Mitchell. I'm wondering if there's sort of like a, a mental battle that has to happen when you've got a you know, scouting report with guys like Dave and CJ and a lot of folks in the back. Kind of like Anthony Simon steps in. Obviously, you know, you got a guard, but is there a little bit of like relaxation that you have to battle against? Um, no, you know, I think, well, for me personally, I, I, I think I, not so much. I've known Anthony since forever. I know he could hoop. We all do. You know, we, we pay, we have a uh, respect for everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, what it is. You know, it's, you know, when a guy like Dane and CJ require a lot of attention, it's, it's natural for guys to kind of capitalize on that. But he's been doing this all year. He's been, his career really, that's kind of it. He's elevated it each year. Um, we, we, he got to the spots and we didn't necessarily guard it the right way the whole game. We did it in spurts and he capitalized. And he's a talented player. He's, he's a guy that's, he gets paid, you know, doing this because he's, he's, he's worked. You know, I saw him high school no college and then now he's doing this thing especially when people didn't really necessarily believe that he could perform at this level um, and he's, he's showing and proving them wrong so I'm happy for him but you know as a group as a team stuff like that happens you know other guys get going but we were able to you know lock in on the, the, the two main ones and you know kind of keep them quiet I just yeah, same thing. I wouldn't would say it's the same thing as, as Terrence Mann, but I think, you know, with, with Anthony, he's, he's a hooper, man. Everybody, at the end of the day, we're all in the NBA, you know, at the end of the day, but, you know, just, you know, he, he, he had a good night, you know, but we were able to do what we were doing, lock in and, you know, get stops we needed and able to push and then get up the floor, but, you know, got to give credit where credit's due uh, as well. 
your skills are lined up this year? Like, just being active, you know, locked in defensively. That's it. You know, um, being in the right places, being ready to switch, being understanding the game plan, understanding what guys going to be. Um, it goes back to the film work I was telling you about a few weeks ago or whatever, like understanding, you know, where guys like to be, the tendencies, and then you're able to, you know, pr- kind of predict and be in the right spots for those situations. And then choosing my length and then being active. The old Rick Pitino press taught me that. Um, and it's paying dividends right now. It's not a commentary on either guy, but because obviously both Joe and Royce have a different, you know, strengths. How is the lineup different with Joe's and their starting? Um, Joe's ball handler, you know, so being able to kind of get off it, you know, it's definitely different. Royce provides a, a huge spark, you know, as far as the defensive prowess, we all know that, but offensively, our plays are different. Our reads are different when it's Royce. Our reads are different. We're not to say they're good or worse. You know, I think they're 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 special in their own right. You know, but you know when Joe's in, Joe's able to bring the floor, bring the ball up, kind of he initiated a lot of the attacks tonight. You know, early. You know, he had Rudy on a bunch of passes, which helps. He's six six. He sees a lot of different things that myself and Mike don't see because we're only six three. So um, it gives a different perspective in that starting lineup. But you know, when Royce gets back, he'll be back at it. We'll keep doing what we're doing. As your reads and quick decision making, your spacing today. Um, getting better, you know. I think tonight was pretty good, you know. I just got to continue to do it consistently. Um, that's really it. Um, just making the game easy on myself. Um, the ball starting to go in on on some of the shots that I've been missing. Um, that that's that helps for sure. But you know, just being able to be ready, be in the stands, be locked in every possession. Um, that's it's been good. Royce is obviously such a good rebounder, and I'm curious, kind of like you guys put Sorry, it, Royce's. Yeah. Um, you guys put an extra focus on kind of helping uh, on their big man down low when he's gone against both JV and Nurk. You had good offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding. Yeah, we all. It's a collective effort. You know, it's kind of going back to that what I said a few years ago. We used to say a few years ago it was like next man up. You know, when you lose a guy who's on the boards, who's fighting down low, we got to all get in there and crash and do our thing. So. Um, with him out, especially, we put a lot more in, in focus on it, um, especially with myself and Mike down there, Joe, Boy, we're all getting in there. And also, it allows us to kind of push the break, you know, start to break ourselves when we get those rebounds. This isn't about tonight's game, but Rudy mentioned that you are the one that care the most about his shoes. How do you go about choosing your shoes for each game? Um, honestly, it's whatever I really am feeling. You know, tonight, you know, I, I had just got the shoes I got tonight, I had got probably like six hours, like probably like six, eight hours before the game. I hadn't worn, it was the first time I wore it at night. You know, some nights I do that. Sometimes I don't like the feel. It's really just sporadic and spontaneous. You know, last year I used to change shoes a lot at halftime. Um, I'm really, you know, I can't do the same thing with my, when I choose what I walk in the arena with. Like, I don't say, all right, tomorrow I'm going to wear this. I kind of just wake up 30 minutes before I'm ready to leave the house and say, it's going to be that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of how I do my shoes. It's like, I'll go out there, wear a pair and, if I like how I feel in them, if I make some shots, and I'm superstitious, so it's like, you know, I'm all about that. So that's really where, where it comes from. Um, I know Jordan changed your, you know, from your shoes into another pair during that Atlanta game. Yeah. That kind of hurt your feelings a little bit? I was like, bro. Hurting the sales. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah. Um, I'm just appreciative that he's wearing them. You know, I appreciate all the guys that wear my stuff. And, you know, everybody that wears my shoes, I'm very appreciative. And, you know, he's been a Nike guy his whole life. I, the fact that he even put those on, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just appreciative of that. And just being able to help promote my stuff, I think it's just the love for that. I, I'm, I'm appreciative. We saw the same kind of development on Trent's 
like long range things. Um, but in the relief minutes that he's got for Mike and Joe, it seems like he's getting a little bit quicker on his first step. Yeah. Have you seen that in practice and how have you seen it? I think what we're starting to see is the trend from last year. You know, you look at how he played last year when myself and Mike were down, like aggressive decision making. I told him, I said, <clears throat> especially in the lineup when it's me and him, like teams are going to think that I'm going to want the ball. So you're going to have opportunities to attack, to be aggressive. You know, he's so selfless. He's looking to make, make, make plays. But what he's starting to see again is like him attacking is helping. Is helping. Like he thinks like, you know, I don't want to hold the ball too long. And he's he's progressed very well. Defensively, he's picking up full court. He's doing so many good things. I'm like, bro, go ahead and score. Like, you know, it's 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 fine, you know, to be, be yourself, you know, because when you start to think too much, that's when the turnovers and the mistakes come in. And it's tough for a young guy, you know, coming in, he wants to play perfect every possession. Um, and he's doing a good job of handling it, doing a good job of coming in and being able to run the offense, initiate, and then it helps when you know the plays. You know, he's locked in knowing all all the things that he has to do. And, you know, I'm, I, he saw tonight he's had the half spin to the reverse lab. We got foul floaters, like stuff like that. Like that's what he's been able to do. Even since last year when we were out, now he's being more comfortable and being able to do that as well as pick up uh, defensively full court. There's Donovan Mitchell. Big time performance from Donovan. 30 points, 5 assists, a couple of rebounds, 4 steals for Donovan. Doing a nice job on defense as well. Jazz win 129-107 over the Blazers. Up next the Utah Jazz will take on the Boston Celtics at Vivint Arena coming up Friday night. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. 